Just as one body, though one has many parts, but all parts, many parts, form one body. So it is with Christ. For we all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body seem to be weaker, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there should be no division of the body, but that it should, pass, should have equal concerns for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of the church. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in this church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Love is indispensable, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. This is the word Lord. 
Thank you, Matt. Sally, can I just invite you, if, if any children want to come out, we've got an activity uh, down here which Sally's going to uh, show you what to do. Um, and if you're a, a grown-up child, you're more than welcome to, to, to join us. We've got enough soil here for, um, for our graveyard, I think. Can I ask, is, is there any, anybody here today that's, is this your first time in church or have you not been to church very often? Good. Because that reading, I, it's an incredible reading, but I hate readings like that in church because anybody that's coming in through those doors wanting to get to know more about us and then reading something like that, they'll think, what on earth are we talking about here? And I just feel it, it alienates people if they don't understand the bigger picture uh, of what we are. So I just wanted to, I wanted to apologise first of all and said I'm gonna, and then I'd have a word with you afterwards, but that's not the case. Hallelujah. So Paul says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. Now I'm doing it. For we are all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The reason I did the, the, um, the um, slideshow before to set, to set up this is that one person cannot set up a church. One person cannot be a church. If we were all of the same mind, it'd be pretty dull, wouldn't it, after, after a while, you know. But each one of us comes with different gifts, different strengths, different qualities. It doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. We all have different qualities. And, and, and for me, that's what makes up a church. That's what makes up unity and division in the body of Christ. Sally's working with some soil here this morning. Sally absolutely loves gardening. When we first saw a garden up at Fernley Avenue, which is where Vicarage is, uh, you've never seen it like it. It's like it had been abandoned for like 20 years. It's that bad. Were, honestly, Tarzan swung past our house at once. Some of you might not know who Tarzan is. But anyway, but it, it was that overgrown, honestly, Tarzan swung past our window shouting, oh, I'm not going to do it. That might be slight exaggeration, but honestly, it was a jungle. And, and it all looked the same. There were just these overgrown trees, overgrown grass. Everything looked exactly the same. But with a little loving, love and tender care, which is, as Sally's done, not me, I'm not... You know, my job with our garden was to cut the grass. So I employed a gardener to cut the grass. <laughs> Sally does the gardening, and we've got this incredible space. And uh, Sally and Scarlett have put in this large area for growing vegetables. And the other day, I was looking at this, because uh, we, we've actually just... She just sort of weeded it up, whatever you do. Um, but anyway, she spent all last Saturday in this patch, and I, I just went out, and I was just looking at it. Um, and as I was, I was reminded, as I sort of put my hands in soil and just dug my fingers into dirt a little bit, I was amazed at how diverse soil is. It's incredibly diverse, and it's incredibly complex. Just one handful of soil contains more living organisms than people living on this planet. One handful 
more organisms than people living on this planet. That blows my mind away. And in every part of the soil, every one of those organisms has a part to play, impacting chemical and physical properties. And all of these living organisms live off and feed off one another. And it's their in interaction that makes soil healthy, thriving and good. It's a bit like gardeners' world, isn't it, this morning? <laughs> There's two ways of seeing what's happening in the soil that surrounds us. One is it's a class system or it's a battlefield. We've all seen these videos of it. You start off with a, a little fish and then a, a bigger fish gets it and then a bigger fish gets that and then another bigger fish even gets that. A battlefield. That's what happens in the dirt beneath our feet. One way of looking at all this interaction beneath us is to focus on how microbes are, eat, are eaten by what's called protosia. I have done my own work. Which are little microscopic bugs which are eaten by centipedes, ants and beetles. And in our case this morning, hedgehogs. But another way of thinking about all that diversity in the soil is a system of checks and balances. Uh, there's a guy called Fred, Fred, uh, Fred Magdoff. He's a soil scientist. And he says that... When there is sufficient and varied food for the organisms, they do what comes naturally, making a living by feeding on the food sources that creation provided. What you have is a thriving, complex community of organisms. And all that diversity and interaction in the soil is what makes our food taste good. That's why I'm like I am. It's a complex system where molecules get eaten and taken apart, they come back together in, in a different way. And all this and loads of other complex stuff creates these incredible flowers, tasty food, fruits, herbs, and, and an all lot more. And this all comes from the diversity of just soil. We want the things we grow to thrive and taste good, and we want it to bear tasty fruit. Does this sound familiar? In the garden, was, if, the, if the garden was a musical composition, unless it's a solo piece, it's the interaction of the various instruments, each playing their parts and working together that creates harmonisation. If our church was a bunch of Andrews, it wouldn't be very diverse. The church is the way that we all utilise our various gifts and we each play our part as hands or tongues or even livers that allow the body of Christ to make a difference in this community and in this world. But sometimes the church acts more like a battlefield than it does the body of Christ. When Paul wrote this letter to Corinthians, he was responding to the way little cliques and power and pride were tearing communities apart. Corinth was a port city and as such had incredible diversity Ideas from across the globe all mingled into one. The freed, freed slaves lived amongst wealthy entrepreneurs. The church reflected this diversity. But that created a power contrast between believers who argued with one another about which ideology or status was better than another. At every turn, Paul reminds the people that their diversity should be seen not as a source of division, but as a blessing. Because of their varied gifts and perspectives, they could do far more together than any one of them could do on their own. A more diverse church is better than Andrew's church. It always has to be. I do like the idea of my church, by the way. 
Let me ask you, do you think we've experienced this as a church? Do you think we have diversity in this church? You see, I look at Christ Church and I see incredible diversity. And I look at the amazing things that you guys have done. I look at the range of ages. I look at sustaining not just the young, but the older generation as well. I've got to be really careful how I, I don't, how I, how I word this. The diversity of working with children, the young families, the resources, the strength that comes from cell groups, the work in local schools that you do, an incredible well-used parish centre, Little Rascals, Centre Point. Look at the Easter story that you put on. How many children did that reach out all over Osset? Not just down here in South Osset. You know, we brought a, a group of kids from Trinity Church all walked down here and back up again. All came to this place to hear the Easter story. The fact that you did an amazing act in redistributing wealth by offering more than required to the diocese. And I could go on and on and on. It's far from Andrew's perfect church. None of that could happen unless the various parts of this body of Christ were willing to step up and play its part. You might be a foot, you might be an eye, you might be a spleen. Hands up any spleens. But you play a part, a part in this church that we all play a part of. You might think that you are, you, you're too young or you're too old to be, or you're too busy to make any difference. You know what Paul says to that? Paul says, you are wrong. You are an essential part of making the church work. Or you might think that the church would be a whole lot simpler if everything or everyone was like me. But again, Paul says, we are wrong. It takes all our different perspectives and experiences, even when they make things more complex, to be the body of Christ, God, as intended for his community. Unity in Christ. It means that all believers are in a relationship with Christ and by extension to every other believer. All believers are united with each other, whether they know it or not, like it or not or feel like it or not. The challenge of Christian unity is to live up to the truth of that reality. And since we're all members of one body, we need to live like it. And this means overcoming our individual needs to the needs of the body at large, using our individual gifts for the good of the whole body. Churches are like hospitals, full of wounded and sick people. But in the church, the sickness is sin. And the wounds are those we inflict upon ourselves and on others because of that sin. One sin that causes multiple problems, I find in church, is a lack of forgiveness. We're not good at forgiving. No Christian is perfect. No vicar or priest. Andrew is not perfect by any means. When all these imperfect people get together, we have disagreements, we have hurt feelings, we have misunderstandings. And it's actually inevitable that we have that. If our expectations of others are too high, disappointment is always inevitable. And it can cause further feelings of hurt and resentment. Our response to one another should be to forgive one another. It should be in kindness and compassion. That's what Christian love is all about. And it covers a multitude of sins 
followed by an increased commitment to serve one another. I believe and Paul believes that to be healthy, we need diversity. We need to be different. We, we need checks and we need balances. We need reminders of the importance of the scripture and justice and mercy and love from people who don't see it the same way, who don't see it the same way as we do. We need to listen. We need to hold one another accountable. We also need to challenge one another. We need to be willing to speak the truth in love. And together, the interaction of all our different parts creates something most beautiful, most mysterious and powerful. There are key things that are pretty essential to who we are as Christians. Ideas like believing in the, the, the Trinity, the triune God, and understanding that grace has got to play a role in our lives. And the core thing without which simply could not be the body of Christ. And then there are other things that are non-essential. What style of music? What translation of scripture? What kind of coffee do we prefer? Although, a good coffee machine will be more than welcome from this priest, believe me. But in all of those things, we call to allow the freedom of diversity and expression and to give room and space for our brothers and sisters in Christ to be different and to share those varying gifts. But no matter what, in all things we're called to love, to respect each other, to listen, to disagree without being disagreeable, to be open to the moving of the Spirit. And in all things that comes down to love. It's no coincidence that this chapter on what it means to be the body of Christ actually comes right before a chapter of love because the only way we make this kind of community work is through love. And finishing with the analogy, analogy of the soil, in the same way the soil beneath our feet thrives on diversity and competition and interaction and synergy, the church thrives because we are different. Because we must love each other as Christ loves us and as Christ calls us to love each other. And it's through the grace which means we can do, more, do no more than one of us could accomplish on our own for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want you to be proud that you are a diverse church. And you, and you are, I've, I've actually, I've worked with a lot of churches. I'm in Trinity, I've been in Bradford, I've worked with ch churches. Uh, and I just find the diversity of this community is what it's strength with. When I, when I first came to this church, I had a conversation with David Nash. I didn't get cell churches. I thought, I, I, I don't get this. I don't, I, I, I just, I, what's the point? We're supposed to be one body. But actually, I take that back and I apologise because I see such strength in unity in, in yourselves, in what each group does. Um, <laughs> forgive me for this, but some of you, it can be a little bit clicky at times. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make no bonds about that. But it's what each group does with each other. And it's the bigger pastoral arrows that come out. The love that strength that comes from those groups. And the fact that you then all come back together as one church, as one body, as one unity. And that's what God calls us to do. That's what Paul called us to do. That's what Christ calls us to do. The body of Christ. We are the body of the Christ. The strength is our unity and our diversity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being united to Christ by faith. 
and by being part of your body, the church. I just thank you for my brothers and sisters here in Christ Church. And I pray that we will be united together through your love. I pray that through all things we would learn to love you with our hearts, our souls, our minds and strength and put the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ before our own. For your greatest praise and glory, this I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I've got some, um, a few questions. We just, we'll just do this for a few minutes. Um, well, there they were a discussion. There we go. Can you relate the church to a garden, in particular the reference to the soil within the sermon? And do you believe we are a united and divisive church? And the most important one is, do you think we need a good coffee machine? Diverse. Sorry. Do you believe we are a united and diverse church? Do you think we need a module? Have five minutes, just discuss with each other. It's that middle one that's a really important one. Thank you, Russ.